Ray Mysterio Jr. You knew him back in Mexico and AAA and stuff like that. And here you guys are working together in WCW now. Uh, you had a great hair versus title match with Ray. And uh, what are your thoughts and your memories on uh, the feud with Ray Mysterio Jr.? Mask versus title, right? Right, right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, that was a great match. Um, I love Ray. I love him like my little brother. That's how much I think of Ray. Uh, he's a kamikaze man. He has no fear. Uh, and I like that he has no fear with me because it's a compliment to me. Because being a base, you know, with all the stuff he does, I got to catch him and I got to support him. You know, do that stuff. Um, base him for his moves. And for him to have that type of confidence with me, it's it, it's a compliment to me. Uh, man, I just love that guy. He's just a great, 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 he's one of my favorite people. How did you see him evolve? Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical wrestling podcast where we talk about professional wrestling past, present, and quite possibly the future. Uh, joining me again today on another watch along is the man, the myth, the wit talk historian, and now the host of What Happens Next, premiering February 28th, if you're looking for a start date. The, I already said the man, the myth, Jay Sandlin. Thank you, B-Rob. Thank you very much. Yeah. And before we get started with our Watch Along exclusive today, I got a couple of production notes. You can follow Wrestling Is Trash on Twitter at Wrestling B Trash. And you can also follow on Instagram at Wrestling Is Trash. I haven't plugged this in a while, but if you want to send questions into the show, I know we haven't did a traditional show, if you want to call it traditional in a minute, but you can send in questions to be answered on air via email for mail at WrestlingIsTrash.com or you can send it through Twitter using the hashtag wit. Talk. That's W-I-T-T-A-L-K. Also have a voicemail line if you want to verbalize these questions and have them uh, pontificate through the air. I'm not using words correctly. I just say them as they come to my mind and uh, materialize through audio form through my speakers through this audio recording at eight. <laughs> I messed up another. I'm talking too much. I just woke up. Don't drink coffee. So I'm just naturally hyping up. 304-825-5762. That's 304-825-5762. So we got all that shit out of the way. You can go that was to, beautiful, B-Rob. Thank you. You can, <laughs> you can go to wrestlingistrash.com and find all 20 episodes. This will be about 21, 22, about time it airs. But with that being said, let's talk about some professional wrestling. I watch along today. It's the classic Halloween Havoc 1997. Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Title versus mask Whew. that was beautiful and you know Halloween Havoc for me as a kid growing up with WCW because I was um, I had just turned 11 years old the month before this match mm. and I, don't, I know Starcade is the classic WCW big show but for some of us Halloween Havoc was even more fun. Even Tony Schiavone has said that at times Halloween Havoc felt like their biggest show of the year. Yeah. I mean, just the pageantry and everything behind it, it was just freaking cool. I mean, and well, I, I don't yeah. understand why WWE haven't 
adopted this concept yet. I mean, it well, maybe be- they will. Maybe they will. But let's talk about the events a little bit um, before we get to the match. This Halloween Havoc was the ninth Halloween Havoc that WCW produced. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took place October 26, 1997 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada. So they were having a night in paradise, B Rob. Mm-hmm. And um, I said this a little bit before we went on there at the MGM Grand, which is will be the site for uh, AEW's Double or Nothing event here May twenty fifth. Ooh, that sounds awesome, man! Big stuff going on, and this show had twelve thousand four hundred and fifty seven in attendance, and as you can see. When you fire up your uh, WWE Network machine, that uh, Slim Jim was the major sponsor for Halloween Havoc. Yeah, Macho Man was one of the big players with that uh, company, man. <laughs> give me, a, give me a Macho Man promo uh, for this Halloween Havoc, Macho Man style. Oh man, uh, I couldn't even. I don't even know where to start. We just, uh, I just. Hit well, you up let's with- talk about the card, and maybe something will come to your mind. Um, in addition to this incredible match. The uh, card had nine matches on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it opened with Yuji Nagata mm-hmm. defeating the Ultimo Dragon by submission. Uh, the match before this match was Chris Jericho defeating Guido mm-hmm. by submission with the Lion Tamer. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that in a second. Yeah. Then we have Rey Mysterio versus Eddie. Alex Wright with Debra by his side. <laughs> Debra McMichael defeated Steve McMichael. Mm-hmm. With some tomfoolery in there. Mongo. Funny bit of bit, bit of trivia. Alex Wright was a last minute replacement for Jeff Jarrett, who had just left the company. I remember he, Alex Wright. That's the guy that freaking did like the little dance and shit. Right, he had the little leather jacket. Alex Wright. Tights. It's it's such a travesty, B Rob, that you're going to remember him for that male stripper shit. Oh no, Alex no, no. Wright he was another. is a German master he's almost like a mozart of pro wrestling and this is just wcw they're gonna give him like a male stripper type gimmick but I he mean, had a, come on he had another character or whatever i vaguely remember it but it was that like, was even worse yeah <laughs> berlin but you know with uh, with jeff jarrett leaving wcw for wwf at the time and then jarrett would leave wwf again mm-hmm. uh after losing to china and ironically on this card where Jeff Jarrett had just left on the next match after the one that he was just replaced in a woman, Jacqueline defeated the disco inferno. I love Jacqueline. Of course, everybody loves Jacqueline, but how weird is that connection? You know, or maybe I'm just drawing too much into it. What do you think? I don't know. You sound like you've been watching that, uh, Sandler's verse episode or the daggone <laughs> always sunny. Oh yeah. I like that. I got the, yeah, I like that. And then uh, Kurt Henning, the United States champion, defeated Ric Flair by disqualification after Ric Flair smacked him with the U.S. title. Uh, Lex Luger defeated Scott Hall with six at ringside by submission with Larry Zabisco as the special guest referee. Then we had Randy Savage with the lovely Miss Elizabeth defeating Diamond Dallas Page in a Las Vegas sudden death match, even though they weren't actually in Las Vegas. Um, And that was actually a last man standing match. I don't know why they called it sudden death. And then the last match was Roddy Piper defeating Hollywood Hogan by submission in a steel cage. 
Yeah, man, we talked about this before we got on. It's just like I vaguely remember this whole pay per view. Yeah, okay. but and even the um, match itself that we were reviewing today, I've seen it in its entirety. Um, I don't remember so much of the storyline building up to it, but I mean, throughout the years, just about every year on the anniversary of the show, you know, various accounts that I follow on Twitter and Instagram and everything that are particular to wrestling, they always talking about this, retweeting it, reposting match clips and everything. So it's like it never went away. It's like it's something fresh all the time whenever you watch this match. That's a very good example. So this match, Eddie and Ray, you already mentioned that the mask was on the line. Mm -hmm. And the original plan, apparently, if you believe rumors, was that Ray was supposed to be unmasked at this point. Mm -hmm. Which would happen. What would you... Which was a bad idea. Yeah, which eventually happened anyway with all the masked characters in uh, WCW for some reason. It did. It did. Well, Bischoff wanted the masks off. Um, Ray in particular, um, Tony Schiavone has said that the thinking was Ray is such a good looking guy. He was a young man. He wasn't even 30 at the time of this match. And the thinking was, he's such a good looking guy. Why aren't we showing that face? You know, that's traditional thinking in wrestling. Good looking guy might be marketable. Put his face on TV. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he had a, I think, what, a bit of an underbite or whatever. But I mean, there was nothing wrong with the dude's face. His hair was kind of, even at that time, his hair was kind of thinning. <laughs> you know, when Tommy Dreamer first met Rey Mysterio years, you know, early 90s, whenever it was, um, he wasn't wearing his mask at the time. He he thought Rey Mysterio was a chick. What? True, true story. Tommy Dreamer meets Rey Mysterio. He's with somebody, you know, another wrestler. And Rey's just kind of standing around and then walks off, doesn't really say anything. And Tommy said, oh, who was that uh, bodybuilder chick you were with? She was kind of flat, but she was hot. <laughs> oh, man. Good he's old. confirmed. He's confirmed that on Twitter. He's like, "Yep, that happened. I did that." <laughs> yep. Good old Tommy Dreamer. At least he yes. wasn't a Sandman. You're a big fan of Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, he is what he is. I know he's a pivotal point in professional wrestling history, but I mean, not really my cup of tea. Well, um, so looking at the other matches on this card, uh, another one that stood out to me was Chris Jericho defeating Guido. Yeah, and uh, some Guido from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, t- Have you read Chris Jericho's book? The first book, A Lion's Tale. He talks about this match a good bit. Come on now. You know, I don't read unless it's a Jay Sandlin publication. Well, check this out. So Jericho uh, wrestling Guido and he was actually set to lose the match. Mm-hmm. There was no real story behind it. It was just a one night kind of thing. Yeah. Jer- Jericho went to Bischoff and said, why am I losing to a guy that's not going to be around the company and, you know, I'm putting him over. What What's the story? And Eric said, you're right. Let's change that. So Jericho was going over and Ge- uh, Jericho, towards the end of this match, he goes for a standing top rope Frankensteiner move that he did a lot in uh Japan before WCW. Yeah. I think it was a finisher that he used at times as well. And it, there's a botch. He and, and Jericho says in his book, it was botched. I don't remember the details of how it got botched, but he falls and lands on his neck. Yeah. 
And if you listen to the commentary, uh, they're kind of quiet for a second. And Jericho immediately like starts moving around, getting up. He says in his book that he was doing that just to show himself that he still could. Yeah. Uh, because he was terrified of paralysis because Jericho's mother was uh, quadriplegic Oof. from the neck down after a terrible accident, kind of domestic dispute, got in a fight with her boyfriend, um, turned physical. She fell back, hit her head or neck on just a patio brick. Boyfriend, not knowing how serious it was, picked her up, moved her, carried her in the bed and just left her there to rest. Just thought she was hurt, but she was paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of her life. Sad, sad shit. And then Jericho goes on to be a wrestler and it was always in the back of his mind. You know, he said he would wake up at night dreaming that he ended up like like his mom. Yeah. You know, and. He didn't really have too much of a high risk style, you know, you know, later on or whatever. I mean, I, I don't really remember him outside of what you just described doing too much stuff or whatever. But um, probably, I don't think he did that after that a moment. lot after that. Yeah. After, yeah. <laughs> after after that moment, I, I, I feel like he kind of tapered off with some of the shenanigans unless it was a bigger, you know, moment or whatnot. But, yeah, he kind of tapered off after that. <laughs> You know, Jericho's uh, wrestling style is what he figured out and what a lot of wrestlers figure out from going from young to old is it's not about what moves you do. It's about when you do the moves. So I've heard I'm not a wrestler, not claiming to be, of course. And then, the you know, the, the placement of those moves and how you tell the story within the ring and whatnot. Yeah. Telling the story. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, flying around all the time. Uh, now, these two guys in this match that we're going to watch. Oh, here, my God. Um, <laughs> you, do you have any thoughts before we play it? Um, At this time, remembering, you know, what I remember of watching the, the actual viewing of this thing. The first time I actually put eyes on this stuff, I was like, I'll never see shit like this again. This is like a one time thing. And then here we are. 2019 you see Will Ospreay and all these other motherfuckers doing way more crazier shit than this <laughs> but at the time and you know they've all watched this match yeah at the time I was like wow I mean how did he even do such a thing you know well Dave Meltzer uh, what do you think he rated this match are we going by dick points or like stars stars sorry out of five stars what do you think he rated this match uh, I'm gonna say Five, maybe probably lower than that if it's Dave Meltzer. Four and three quarters. Thought so. <laughs> why did it lose the little tiny quarter stars? I this this can't be a five star match because why? I, I don't think there's any good reason that it's not a five star match. But maybe we're just uh, overselling it a bit. Yeah, because that you know, little. We're, maybe we're maybe we're like Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan at a pay per view <laughs> match uh, with our selling of this. Um, so maybe we should just let the people decide. Yeah. So. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick this thing off. If you're on the WWE Network, um, you can fast forward the pay-per-view event to 26 minutes, um, around 47 seconds to 50 seconds or whatever. And, you know, if you're right in that range, you should be locked on under, of an image of Mean Gene in the locker room holding a microphone. Yeah, I was at 26.50, and this is right before the match. And the reason I told B-Rob, uh, you want to give a countdown? Yeah. Uh, All right. You're going to play in three, two, one. 
So I, the reason I told B-Rob that we should start here before we uh, watch the match was just for this little funny scene with Deborah McMichael, who is playing the queen of, of WCW. WCW. Yes. What did you think about this gimmick she had? I mean, basic, you know, I mean, it's it from here. I believe it kind of set like maybe a template for Queen Charmel, maybe. <laughs> Well, she's having this domestic uh, dispute like she has broken up with Steve McMichael, which would you know happen in real life. And she gets together with uh, another wrestler that we may have heard of um, by the name of oh, what was his name? B-Rob, I can't remember his name. He's just so obscure. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> and here it comes. She's like, hey, you broke up with me. So you're going to have to give me back my diamond ring and the credit cards and the Rolex that I gave you. Because I'm name dropping, trying to be like Ric Flair. Mongo. <laughs> Mongo. And Deborah's like, uh, excuse me, I don't have to give you anything back. These belong to me. And I deserve them for putting up with your family and your little ponytail. Okay. And, why do, and taping all your fingers. Okay, okay. So yeah, for those of you listening, I mean, I'm pretty sure you got the volume down. And, you know, Jay doing his impersonations and whatnot. I'm looking at him. <laughs> I'm looking at the screen as he talking. It's just like. Eh, it's like puppet theater and shit. <laughs> well, d- did you know Deborah has a master's degree from the University of Alabama? What? R- right here in my backyard. Yeah, my backyard in criminal justice. Yeah, figures. You know. De- and look at this crowd. It's a big crowd. It's an excited crowd. What do you think of this set? It, it's that's why I think a lot of people gravitate toward this thing, man. It's just a big. I set love piece. this set. But I hate Mysterio's costume. How, for people not watching, how would you describe Ray's ring attire here? He looked like a purple cat. <laughs> <laughs> what is he supposed to be? I don't know. Maybe a demon or something like that. But uh, um, you know, and I I love Ray uh, for the character he is. I love Ray um, for how he takes the effort. Think about how much effort, time, and expense it is for him to have a new mask basically every time he appears. Yeah, I've never seen him wear the same one twice. He doesn't I mean, on TV, at least that that's yeah. his gimmick. I don't know how long he's. I think that's been since WWE, but he said he will not wear the same mask twice. Um, I don't know what's going on with this costume. And now Eddie coming in. And how good does Eddie Guerrero look like, you know, physical wise? What would you say, B-Rob? Yeah, let me get the camera down. on. Yeah, I think he looked real good here, but he would even his physique would change even more when he went over to WCW, uh, WCW, uh, WWE. EF or whatever because he got really jacked he did and he's I think he looks better here I mean I, I think he looks good he looks great he's slender mm-hmm. um, I would compare him really at this same time and place uh, 1997 mm-hmm. he is a uh, a Shawn Michaels type yeah he, he's his build here and uh, even um, a little bit in WWE is similar to that of Benoit's or whatever. I know they were all cool and whatnot. They were very, very close. And yes, it is similar. I've got my fantasy booking for WCW. You know, Eddie, about a year after this, would start that LWO group that yeah. nobody liked. And he would get injured and have to leave for a while. He got a very bad injury at one point. Um, came back. And I would have loved to have seen Eddie Guerrero feud with Bret Hart in WCW for the world title. Yeah, I mean, how would you even go to set that up? I mean, obviously you would need too much to get it in. I mean, it's just at the time, you know, 
You just want to. Get I would have Eddie make a surprise return. All right. So Brett, like maybe there's a time when Brett's champ, and Eddie makes a surprise return in the low rider doing his Latino heat gimmick. Give it to us earlier because that was just him being him, you know. Mm-hmm. But in this match, he's he's talking to Ray about how you're not going to get the cruiserweight title, and I'm going to take your mask off, man. I'm going to take that mask off and show the world your face. And now they're paintbrushing, they're on it, and the rest of this match goes in one gear, and it yeah. is off the chain. Fast, go. quick, and immediately they're going to go, almost immediately, to this cruiserweight match, goes right outside with what some people call a Mick Foley spot. Here it comes. Yeah, You got the monkey flip. I'm a couple seconds behind you. Uh, into the guardrail. Crossbody over the top rope into the guardrail. Now, I'm going to say something here, and you'll never watch the match the same again. Um, Rey Mysterio looks like he's wearing a black thong. Yeah, it does. It's just <laughs> It really does. This would have been a good time to leave the outside underwear off your tights, yeah, I brother. Mean, this is probably why um, Tommy Dreamer thought he was a chick. He kind of have like a little swimsuit build here. <laughs> I mean, he's in great. Ray is obviously in great shape. He's in great shape now. Yeah. I mean, right now is before you got that like true adult weight on him. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, a very young man. I don't think he was 24, 25, maybe. Um, one of the best wrestlers in the world already, nice. as is Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, nice. uh, I think I think they're both just they've already known each other well. They've worked together well, mm-hmm. and it shows in how they lay into each other. Watch here with the slaps. Mm-hmm. Eddie's about to give him a, a sharp European uppercut. Bam. That's a nice You know, shot. he felt that. Yeah, that's a, that was a working uppercut. They're just they're very ooh. comfortable with each other. And that's where the best matches come from every time. Yeah, it's like you can tell that he wasn't really expecting that. You know, he took it, but it was like, I didn't know it was coming that hard. <laughs> well, this was all uh, none of this is rehearsed. Yeah, I mean, they, did, they didn't rehearse this. They didn't uh, plan much beyond, you know, maybe the talking a little bit before see right there and, uh, right, the, the backdrop or whatever i feel every time i watch this match and i see that spot or whatever that was a save because i don't think that was supposed to go that way and he just turned it into a backdrop sure why not you know you take it as it comes uh tony uh shivani talking about this match saying that young guys in the wcw you'd see them in the arenas early and they'd be rehearsing their match and they'd be showing up mm-hmm. and what would happen is as they would rehearse it they would go out there, maybe blow a spot, make a mistake, and then they're totally lost. Yeah, or even try to do it again and just mess up the whole flow of the match. Oh, yeah. Speaking of messing up flows, uh, Goldberg is on this card. Yeah, that's okay. You know, Goldberg and Steve McMichael work together. Um, oh, and here's my favorite spot. All right, he's ripping the mask off Ray. He's like, I will rip this off your face. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that was part of the story behind this, you know, terrible grimace on a diet costume um, <laughs> meets the Riddler. He, he's a, uh, he, you know, the mask is attached to his body. So Re- uh, Eddie gets a lot of latitude to just go ripping the mask, at, you know, tearing at it. You, you think that was by design? M- maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess he could have done the same thing. We, we didn't say anything, but when Ray came in, you saw he had a second mask around his ma- uh, around his neck that uh, he gave to a fan. Yeah. Also, uh, you got scared by the pyro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pyro, pyro. 
But uh, Ray, you know, very was very against losing his mask. Um, you know, it cannot be understated what the mask means to the tradition and spirit of luchadores. You know, the 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 Mexican style wrestling based on the Aztec warriors. You you didn't lose your mask until you were at the end of your career. Yeah. So so for Bischoff to say, Ray, hey, we're going to take your mask off before he's even thirty years old it would be unthinkable to raise you know tradition his family and um raise uh agent or attorney or whatever got involved with uh with this match in kind of backing bischoff down saying like let's not take the mask off him right now you don't necessarily have to change a finish um ray's agent his name was michael scott hmm. can't make that up michael scott no um with the um, you talk about the mask and everything because uh, you know now in hindsight or whatever you, you know um, is also a oh there's the the top rope flip DDT I'm sorry that's one of my favorite moves when he smacks into that you know that's not planned I mean they just improvise that well, speaking of that same move or whatever to kind of keep it in tandem uh, he had the recent match this year with a uh, Andrade seeing almost on SmackDown where he tried to do that move again and it didn't work out as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know what, Ray? But, how many matches has the man had? But still, I mean, for what what happened, for what they were doing in that match, it was like it was almost on the level of this one. It was like a modern day Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Ray Mysterio that Andrade, the series of matches Andrade and Ray is having yeah. right now. Yeah, everybody is loving it. Hey, you see that black uh, stand next to the ring right there? Yeah. You know, they called that the uh, they called that the fat man camera stand. Yeah, that's where the camera. Yeah, <laughs> the cameraman would stand there. And uh, one of the Crockett's uh, was uh, the cameraman who was a bigger guy. But that's not why they called it that. That, that They called it that because it was where they stand now. All right, here we go. Eddie with the camel clutch mm-hmm. on Eddie, a move invented by his grandfather gory guerrero and now he's ripping that mask and probably doing us a favor so ray can't wear this costume again (laughs) but look at this shot here where they're the camera guy does a good job you may say they're too zoomed in Uh but that is the closest anybody had seen to ray's face Mm -hmm. with uh you know eddie having him in his granddad's move the mask is ripped that's just such a great image i love that Story about a rib. Um, you remember uh, who was it? Uh, the the wrestler. Okay, th- th- this is a shoot. I can't remember his name. Mustafa, not Mustafa, but the the guy that they took off TV. Oh, Muhammad Hassan. Hassan. Yeah. All right, so Hassan was using the camel clutch as his signature move. Yeah, Do you remember that after the Iron Sheik or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and the um. The, the other wrestlers, as a rib, told him, they said, hey, you need to go up to Eddie Guerrero and tell him that he needs to stop using that camel clutch. Oh, no. Because that's your move, man. You got to you got to show or he's going to walk all over you if you don't do that. And you'll, you'll be nothing. A- and he did it. He goes up to Eddie Guerrero and says, stop doing the camel clutch. That's my move. And Eddie, apparently very diplomatically, because he can have a temper from what you yeah, heard yeah. about him, but he, he was diplomatic and said, well, my, my grandfather uh, invented the move. Yeah, I mean, what, what else can you <laughs> so say I think that, that kind of shut it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you, you can kind of 
like in that situation, it was kind of, you know, peer pressure. You know, some it felt like it was something he didn't really think about to do or even care to do or whatever. You know, he just wanted to go do his job and it was just a move in his moveset. And to go up to somebody like, yeah, they hype me up. I got to do this. You know, I got to show save face with the boys or whatever. Right. And you say this, you're like, well, my grandfather invented that movie. He's like, oh, OK. <laughs> All right. Well, continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh. they're moving. They're go. Um, this is where I was thinking, though, that about Eddie, if Eddie had taken Mysterio's mask here, mm-hmm. what would the rest of Mysterio's time in WCW have been like? I don't know. Do you think it would have changed it dramatically? Because, I mean, he would eventually take the mask off anyway. Well, the part of the agreement for them not taking off the mask here, uh, as as rumor says, was that Ray would agree to drop it at a later date. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how long you know he didn't drop it. I think it was 99 when he dropped it. And it was in a tag match with uh, Conan and Kevin Nash and Lex Luger, I believe. Yeah, And it was... Just kind of a gimmicky match. This match almost doesn't feel like it had enough to build it for it to be a, a mask match or for someone to actually unmask. Yeah, but at, even at the time, whatever the cruiserweights were kind of slept on, regardless. You know, that's a good question. Would you have imagined watching this in '97? Be Rob? Oh, and Eddie gets hit in the Family Jewels. He he, he gets hit in his Slim Jim. <laughs> Look at that product placement. Yeah, it is. He sure snapped into that Slim Jim, didn't he? Yeah, he did. All right. What well, what if someone had told you in 97 that both of these men will be WWF world champions? It would have been a fucking lie at the time. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, this was like for real, for real brand in war. You know, you, you knew if someone left here to go there, it was because of money. And, you know, if anybody at the time, you know, just to thinking of it, leaving WWF, WWE to go to WCW is treason. It was they were a fucking traitor, you know. So, I mean, for we can even compare that to nowadays or whatever. AJ, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, freaking who else? Uh, All these people that are there now, we would have never thought within what the past 10 years that they would ever be in a WWE ring performing, you know? Right. All you can really say is anything can happen. Exactly. Anything can happen. Yes. He he, he recovered pretty well from um, banging his nuggets on that pole. Yes. Yeah. You know, I I guess you got to be ready for that kind of thing. All right. That was a nice uh, head scissors from what would be later of the setup for the 619, the Tiger Faint. Eddie's on the outside, and I think this was the move that I was telling you about. I seen this shit, and I was like, I'll never see anything like that again. Yep, there it is. It's the somersault over the top rope into the Hurricane Rana to the outside. <laughs> did, did anybody ever have a better Hurricane Rana than Rey Mysterio? No, that was like, because he had the whole thing to where um, he would do the setup, he would do the springboard into the um, Hurricane Rana, and it would just, they would just move so fluently. It was almost like, um, how this if you do it correctly, the um, Canadian destroyer, if you do it correctly, how they just yeah. rotate so effortlessly. It, that's just how it was. And then we got a corkscrew moonsault set on. And that's what I like to do, too. I like to challenge myself when I watch these matches to see if I can name all the moves or at least come up with something uh, close to it. You're going to have to name them pretty fast. Oh, yeah. Especially in this one. Motherfuckers just like pew, 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 pew. 
there's a really there's there's two fans to point out one um on the front row hard camera side i don't know if they made him uh dress it up but there's a stone cold t-shirt on the front row hard camera side i think they put the guy in a denim uh wcw shirt maybe they gave it to him to wear he accordion him with that power bomb boy <laughs> there's also a really annoying fan who's just trying to get himself over this whole time he's on um it would be uh my left now looking at the tv that side of the arena he's not not visible right now he is wearing a homemade papa shango white sweater like it looks like somebody <laughs> airbrushed it or painted it when they was out there on the ramp, I seen the guy with the sting mask on. He kind of like stood out to me. B-Rob, did you hear what I said? A homemade airbrushed Papa Shango sweater. Yes, I, I know. Sweatshirt. Sold it. I know. Sold it. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's sell this. How big uh, is this? The world's biggest Papa Shango fan to in 1997 yeah. be wearing a, a Papa Shango homemade sweatshirt. I don't know. Uh, wrestling I'd like to know this guy's background. Like what, what in his, what happened to him in his life to make him, uh, you know, love Papa Shango this much, you know, a couple of years after there, I can see him right now. Uh, he's not trying to make an ass of himself at the moment. Um, uh, he does it. You can see him really clearly right after the Jericho Guido match. If you want to go back, I, I'd like to know what happened to that sweatshirt. Maybe if he'd like to auction it off, but that's the probably thing. to pay his own therapy bills. But that's the thing though. Uh, how many live events have you been to? I've been to my share, maybe half a dozen. Have you been to any pay-per-views? Yes, I've been to pay-per-views. That's where stuff like this mainly happens. At. I mean, you see it a lot at the, um, just the regular live shows or whatever, or even the TV tapings. Fans seem to embody the most obscure characters because, you know, just for that chance of maybe but- being on the camera. <laughs> We're at the finish here where it looks like Eddie is going for like an over the top rope razor's edge. Ray reverses it and gets the three count. And he is your new cruiserweight champion. Yeah, man. He got to keep his mask for a little bit longer before um, he would lose it in a match. That was a tag team match with Miss Elizabeth's hair on the line. So you knew he was losing it because, you know, Miss Elizabeth is not going to shave her head. And what was uh, crazy about the the ending sequence to this match, the uh, the crucifix bomb, well, the avalanche crucifix bomb into the Hurricane Rana and whatnot, is just the sheer setup for that whole thing. It's just, imagine if, you know, a foot slipped or he leaned too far to one side, that could have just went horribly wrong. That's why they only, here, let's look at the, there's a replay coming here. We'll take a look at, uh, well, here's the the family jewels. Yeah, the um, Slim Jim. Snap it to a Slim Jim. And uh, Ray going over the top there. Maybe the different angle for that cool move. Yeah, there it move. is. Somersault. There it the is. Runner. And there's the finish. One, two, three. And the fans are into it. I mean, the fans really pop. This is one of the best pure matches. Yeah, you um, see that, that guy I've in the corner seen. right there just almost flew over the guardrail in excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. What are your What are your thoughts here? Closing thoughts on that match? Man, still a good match. I can watch it five more times today if I needed to. <laughs> but I mean, it's a classic, man. It's just it's so revered by so many athletes in professional wrestling. I mean, a lot of fans would bring this match up as one of the greatest, and you know, it highlights two 
you know, slept on, you know, premier athletes at the time in Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. They could have been so much bigger in that company if it wasn't so much politics and whatever, all the other crap that was going on behind the scenes. But, you know, they did get their day in the sunlight. So yeah, I'm not they definitely they were they were featured. Let's put it in perspective. All right. Because this was the first years, you know, the, the cruiserweight division started that, you know, kind of 95, 96 era. And we're in 97 and really took off, really caught on. Bischoff had a plan for it. Mm-hmm. He wanted to send these guys out at maybe the top of the second hour or halfway point when the crowd might be kind of getting, you know, a little restless. Maybe people are reaching for the remote to change the channel. Boom. You send out these colorful cruiserweights doing that you have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're dressed like this luchador style, like the masks, like Kosis and La Parca. Yeah. I, I loved it. It felt like superheroes kind of brought to life. So, you know, on the one point, you've got your side where you can say, yeah, they could have been more. On my side, I'll say they were getting featured like never before. And you could argue never since. Mm-hmm. But look at the card at that time. You know, Rey Mysterio was very popular, but it was made clear to him that he was not going to be a main eventer in WCW. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look at the card. You've got Hollywood Hogan and Roddy Piper working on top, Randy Savage and Diamond Dallas Page, who DDP was very new to the main event scene at the time. Lex Luger, Scott Hall, Ric Flair, and Kurt Henning. I don't know that Ray, you know, Ray can have great matches with about anybody. I don't know that Ray could have worked with Hogan very well. Mm-hmm. Um, wrestler, there are so many wrestlers who have said that they loved working with Ray Mysterio because you could do so much with him. Yeah. You know, you can pick him up, throw him around. There's just, and you could get heat on him really easily. So if WCW had booked a Hogan Ray Mysterio feud, I'd like people to tell us what would that have looked like? Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, that's the popular consensus with a lot of um, the bigger professional wrestlers and everything that working with a smaller guy, you know, opens up a lot of possibilities for, um, you know, the storytelling and whatnot. And, you know, because, I mean, as we spoke about in this match, uh, the physique, the physique of uh, Eddie Guerrero at this time, he was a big dude for his size and how they pulled off that ending sequence. It wouldn't have I don't think it could have gone any other way. If it was somebody of a lesser stature. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see Ho- Hollywood Hogan pull off that in sequence there for him. I don't think you would even know how to have. Didn't Hogan do a diamond cutter at one point in a match or something? Am I remembering that right? And it just didn't look good. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to look. I don't recall that because I feel like that's something I would remember. I know he took a lot of diamond cutters. I just I don't know why this because I know he tried to replicate somebody else's move and it just didn't. No, nah, I don't recall that. We're, we need to look that up. I, I don't recall, a, but um, I know that back in uh, Japan when Hogan was would go work in Japan, he definitely worked a different style and kind of had like a finisher move that was more like a running lariat. Well, and I mean, uh, a lariat's a dime a dozen in Japan. That's like if you want. Uh, a popular move in your moveset. You got to have like a big lariat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hogan has said that he really regrets the leg drop uh, based on the damage it did to his body. Yeah. And he said, he says, why didn't I use the sleeper hold? I had the largest arms in the world would have made perfect sense. But 
I, I don't think the big sleeper would have gotten as big of a pop as the big leg drop. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're falling on your ass. <laughs> Here's the big leg drop. Bam! He was always one leg drop away from winning the title. And if he had wanted to, he could have shown up and won the cruiserweight title because he was Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, they had the freaking, uh, what it is, uh, damn, I forgot. I lost it. <laughs> oh, your, your virginity? Because I've heard that. I, I heard you just did. Congratulations. Yes. It only took two kids to do it. <laughs> <laughs> did you have kids when this match aired? No, um, I was in, I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. So, okay. You're not that much older than me. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, slightly, slightly, several, several years older than me. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a classic. This is a great one. This Halloween Havoc 97 um, would be the last good Halloween Havoc because the next year, the next year we got Hogan and Warrior. (laughs) That may need to be like a watch along for another day, almost like the uh, the opposite of this classic match. um, Halloween Havoc 98. Because WCW, they were making some money in 98, but that was really the pay-per-view. You know, there were signs before that, but that was the one where you just said, man, I think this company is done. So that might be a fun watch along. You got any other ideas for uh, our next watch along, B-Rob? I'm not sure. But once again, we'll, oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what we can do. All right. We can do uh, Bash at the Beach 98. Carl Malone and Diamond Dallas Page versus Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan. Let's do it. That, that let's let's make a let's make a poll. We'll send them out. Send out the choices. We got Hogan Warrior. We've mentioned Bash at the Beach mm-hmm. tag match. Um, we could get some WWE or even ECW matches on the poll as well. See what see what happens. I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm open to ideas. Yes, we, we we'll get that out there. We'll um, compile these things. Give you a list of four choices and uh. That'll be our watch along. But this episode is concluding now, my friend. Before you go, let everybody know where they can find your social media and the upcoming projects that you have going on. Like B-Rob said, I am the host of Jay Sandlin's What Happens Next, a show where anything can happen and always does. It is made by writers for people who love stories. It is a whose line is it anyway meets choose your own adventure improvised story. And we're going to have an episode with some professional published writers and me as well on a panel taking a story prompt and taking turns and just seeing where we could take it. Something like, um, you know, Ray Mysterio walks into a bar and Ultimo Dragon um, buys him a drink. What happens next? I'm down with that. <laughs> or, or, or Tommy Dreamer gets matched to Rey Mysterio on Tinder and swipes right. What happens next? <laughs> or the ultimate warrior um, decides that he's going to uh, wrestle Juventud Guerrera for the TV title with a shark tank beneath the ring. You know, what happens next? It could be stuff like that from comics, fantasy fiction, characters you know and love. Keep an eye out for it. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Jay Sandlin and Jay Sandlin Writer and uh, jaysandlin.com. Boom. Man, I'm I'm looking forward to that show. Uh, Congratulations for uh, stepping out 
and um, you know, starting to blaze your own path, my man. I, I wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But on behalf of myself and the man, the myth, the legend, the wit talk historian, Jay Sandlin, we bid you a fond adieu, and we'll see you next time.